Welcome to the Generations United podcast, where we share insights from experts from the intergenerational field about how these practices improve the lives of children, youth, older adults, and the communities where they live. I'm your host, Donna Butts, Executive Director of Generations United. For this episode, I have two guests, and I'm very excited about it because one is a long, long time colleague and friend, and the other is a new colleague and friend that I've just met. What we wanted to do today was really have a conversation that goes back to the roots of Generations United. We were founded over 30 years ago, and as one of our founders said, we were founded to argue for a caring society. When people were really trying to pit the generations against each other, saying that our country could only support our younger or our older citizens, not both. And in fact, why we were formed and what we advocate for is the fact that we are interdependent and it's not about pitting one generation against the other. So today we're going to have a conversation with a couple of folks. The first is John Rother, who's the president of the National Coalition on Healthcare, America's oldest and most diverse group working to achieve comprehensive health system change. In full disclosure, John actually hired me 22 years ago when he was chair of the Generations United Board, and I've had the pleasure of working with John and learning from John for many, many years. So welcome, John. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here also. And our next guest is Yvonne Yao. Yvonne is a senior studying philosophy, politics, and economics at the University of Michigan. She's the former vice president of We Listen, a bipartisan student group working to bridge the political divide through conversation with others. I first heard Yvonne on a recent NPR 1A episode and was really impressed with her point of view and what she was talking about, about the desire to make sure that people are connected and having those meaningful dialogues. So Yvonne, it's great to meet you and welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So as I mentioned, over the years at Generations United, we've weathered many attempts to spark intergenerational warfare. And fortunately, it's really never taken root. But again, those conversations are happening in communities and around our country for various reasons. And what we usually find is at the end of the day, it's not a fight, it's a family. It's how people think about being connected with other generations. But we do know that those conversations come up, that sometimes that's the easy default. So John, you've been a strong voice combating efforts to pit generations against each other over the years. How do you think the efforts to fuel intergenerational warfare have changed over time, or have they? Well, there's a lot of uh, continuity. When Generations United was founded, there was a Senator Alan Simpson who kept criticizing boomers, and it was an effort to cut Social Security. Unfortunately, that didn't succeed in part because Social Security is an intergenerational program that benefits all generations. But this is a theme often motivated by budget concerns that we're spending too much on one generation, not enough on another. And while I think it's a legitimate topic of debate, really when you start pitting one generation against another, it's almost always a dead end because that's not the real world. The real world is when families get together and share their stories and concerns, and we have a chance to really explore what unites us more than what divides us. Yes, it's a good point that we are at that time when families and friends are coming around the table to talk and to listen to each other. And Yvonne, you, as the former head of We Listen, which is a group that engages college students and the community at large to talk to each other about issues that they may disagree on, you've really had a lot of experience in this area, helping people come together to find common ground and humanizing the other side. How do you think those techniques and that approach could help to bring generations together? 
We're trying to engage in political conversation in a productive way. And it's coming from a place that's not arguing or trying to convince the other side that you're right and they're wrong, but just genuinely trying to leave with a sense of empathy and understanding the backgrounds and the experiences that have shaped people's political views, even though you might consider them your ideological opponents. And we listen. It's a very methodical way of doing it. So our executive board is 50-50 split between liberals and conservatives. We have two co-presidents. One is liberal and one is conservative. And our content team that provides all the information and provides all the background before we start the discussion, they're also nonpartisan and they're 50-50 split. So we really hold this principle very true to our mission and we take it very seriously. And we try to provide as much context as possible so that people can engage in these conversations, even though they might not necessarily care about a certain issue, we're trying to show that we all have skin in the game and that we ought to be engaging these types of conversations in a productive way. In terms of intergenerational dialogue, it needs to come from a place that's not to argue and that's not to have very hostile conversations, but I think it can be productive if you're coming at it from a place where you're genuinely trying to understand people's experiences and why they hold the views that they do. So really bringing people together from different perspectives and different age groups. And Yvonne, is it a Michigan-only program, or is it a program or a curriculum that's available nationwide? We Listen was actually founded after the 2016 presidential election. We found that campus was really divided on both sides. So it started at University of Michigan. We've had some efforts to expand to other chapters like Michigan State and other schools around the Midwest, but that's still kind of a work in progress since we're fairly new and working on the like internal infrastructure and making sure everything is in place before we begin like exporting our model to other schools. So right now it's very local to Michigan, but we've been involved in the Ann Arbor community at large. We've done sessions with a local retirement home in the area. We've done sessions with a few high schools in the area. So it's really cool to see that other people outside of the campus community have been receptive to our mission. It reminds me of a program that we've profiled before called Courageous Conversations that matches younger people and older people together for dialogues. And oftentimes it's young people who are feeling that they're being discriminated against whether because of their religion, their race, their ethnicity, and older adults who've experienced discrimination, which really helps to ground them in understanding and feeling that they're not the only generation and that others have survived this. It's a very important approach. So, John, I was thinking back to 2009 when you were quoted in a book called Boomer Bust, and you were quoted talking about the myth of intergenerational conflict. It was right around the time that you were a senior VP at AARP, and the children's health insurance debate was underway. And you came out, and AARP came out, in strong support of expanding health care health insurance for children. You said then, the generations are bound together through family children, parents, grandparents, kin, were interconnected and interdependent, which is very similar to what you said earlier about families coming together. But I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about the shared responsibilities between old and young. Well, one thing that that does strike me, Donna, is how we're living in a more age-segregated society today than we were a generation or two ago. And that's reinforced by media habits. It's really reinforced by popular culture now. So I think there are fewer opportunities outside the family for people of different ages to interact. You know, there are fewer people going to church. There are fewer people participating personally in political life. 
So it's going to take a bigger effort. From a policy point of view, I think it's extremely important that advocates on both sides, advocates for seniors taking opportunities to promote the well-being of young families and children, and vice versa. There are certainly a lot of programs that bring people together through caregiving or the arts or other things. But in general, I just think we are facing a real challenge now in our society. Whether it's senior living communities or college campuses, a lot of people just find themselves cut off from people of a different age group. It's really true. And I get a lot of pushback at times because I'm not a fan of senior-only communities. And we advocate quite strongly here at Generations United to use space and place to connect generations, that it is more harmful than helpful to have generations that are not intermixing. And sometimes I say when it comes to a senior living facility that the conversation turns to three Ps, pain, pills, and passing. It's what medication you're on, who died, and it's not a healthy kind of conversation. But yet you mix in other generations and it becomes much richer. And Yvonne, one thing that I was really impressed with when I heard you on 1A, the segment that I mentioned to you, is that you said that you wish that there were more opportunities for people of different generations to engage with one another. You're not alone. We had a 2017 report we did with the Eisner Foundation called I Need You, You Need Me, the young, the old, and what we can achieve together. 77% of Americans that were surveyed said they wish there was more opportunity in their own communities for people from different age groups to meet and get to know each other. Do you think there are ways that we can create more of those opportunities so young and old can engage with each other? I definitely think so. Obviously, the most obvious choice for me would be doing something with our We Listen sessions like we do at Michigan and involving participants who are not just college students, but of other age groups to join in on the conversation. When we initially started having this space where people could talk about very contentious issues and do it in a way that's supposed to be understanding and not arguing. And we were really surprised by how many people were willing to come out and share their views. And a lot of people were really receptive because it just changes the nature of how we're used to talking about politics. And I think, especially with the holidays coming up, everyone thinks that politics are taboo and that you're not supposed to talk about it at the dinner table. But I do think there's a way to have those conversations. And I don't think that We should be ignoring those opportunities to have those difficult conversations with our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, and our parents who might have different views than us. But I think it can be a very productive source of dialogue. I do think that sometimes the solution is simple and it's just a matter of having conversation in a way that doesn't have to be arguing and that has to be pitting sides or ages or generations against each other. I think you're right. It's so easy to just make a decision. And I think that's sometimes why people default to intergenerational warfare, too, is because it's an easy way, and some people have said a lazy way, of dealing with or not having to deal with, actually, some very difficult issues that our country faces and that older and younger people face together. One of the really recent examples that I loved of young and old coming together around a common issue has to do with climate change. Jane Fonda, who's in her 80s, came to Washington to protest every Friday. And she was inspired by the young woman who really brought attention to the issue of climate change recently, a 16-year-old Greta. And so to see what I think John Legend and Common said so well in Glory, no one can fight the war individually. It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy. So I think it really does take all of us tackling some of these tough issues. But John, do you have any thoughts about how we create those opportunities or what we should be thinking about when it comes to bringing the generations together? 
other? I probably should say something as a caution. Generations do have differences. They're born of the different experiences that people had when they were growing up and in their formative years. So there are really differences between the generations. But that doesn't mean that we can't find common ground on social issues. So I do think that the OK Boomer thing, although it could be benign, has a little bit of a, a danger to it if it does end up convincing you or your friends that there's not common ground. There is. Whether it's how affordable health care is or climate change, there's just so many ways that we need to work together to be effective and one of the things that's really important is for younger people to vote because we're not going to be affected unless they are able to be influential at the ballot box. I guess I'd stress that, but it's not the only way. John, when you talk about making sure that young people vote, that's something I've always felt so strongly about because when I was a teenager, you had to be 21 to be able to vote. And I remember joining a movement called the Let Us Vote movement that petitioned people to try to get the voting age lowered to 18. And in part, it was because the Vietnam War was underway and people were being sent off at 18 to fight that war, but they couldn't vote for the people that were sending them. And I just felt very strongly about it. So ever since I've been able to vote, I've always voted. And I hope that people think about that and realize that we haven't always had that opportunity or that right, and it really is up to all of us to make sure that we vote. One thing we haven't really touched on is in 2013, Generations United did a report with the Generation Initiative called Out of Many One, Uniting the Changing Faces of America. And really what we focused on in that report was the growing uh, racial and age divide, the fact that our demographics are changing, but it's not just age, it's also race. And that in fact, those changing demographics are our country's greatest asset. And there's a wonderful introduction, I think, in that report that was written by a woman named Hillary Pennington, who's now at the Ford Foundation. And I think she did a great job of laying out what the issues were, that in fact, there are some serious issues, but again, that we need to reach across those divides or else the division is going to be even greater because generations don't look like each other anymore. And I wondered if either one of you had any comments on that. Well, my comment is that immigration is a divisive topic, no question about it. And um, the polling shows that there are generational differences in attitudes. But I think telling a story about your family or how you came to be part of the United States is absolutely crucial step toward greater understanding. So I think if you're a younger person, if you ask an older relative to tell their story or to tell a family story, that could go a long way toward building a greater understanding across the generational divide. I totally agree with that. And I feel like I've had a lot of experience like that. Because my parents are immigrants. I really like sharing their story. I think it builds a lot of empathy. And I think when we are having these sorts of conversations, it's important to make sure that all identities feel welcome and feel like they can contribute to the conversation. I think that having these sorts of like, conversations, whether it's across the aisle, across political parties, or just people of different backgrounds, they, they can be definitely very valuable if they're done right, in my opinion. So what I realize is I've been asking each of you questions, and I wondered if you had anything that you would like to ask each other about. Well, I can start by saying I think that there are real challenges facing younger people today that the boomer generation has not adequately addressed. And just to name three, the cost of health care is destroying people's lives who get sick, and we have a lot of work to do there. In terms of the climate, we've 
let the situation get much worse than it needed to be. And it's obvious that we need to take more dramatic action. And that's something that's going to take support from across the age range. And finally, the issue of immigration and racial diversity. I actually thought that maybe we had gotten past that with the election of Barack Obama as president, but it's obvious that we have not. And so that's another area where I think there's a lot of work still to do. And the boomer generation has left it to younger people to carry the work forward. Yvonne, what do you think? Thank you for saying all those things, John, because I think, from my experience, it's been rare that older generations will take responsibility or realize that they've also had a hand in creating a lot of the issues that my generation will be left to deal with. And I think it takes a lot of being beyond myopic and not just kind of looking at the present. There's a lot of anxiety and I think a lot of fear around the costs that we'll have to bear. So I totally agree that it's going to have to be an effort on all fronts and from all generations. And about the whole okay boomer meme, I also agree that it definitely could have more detrimental effects. I know on 1A last week or two weeks ago, I was saying that I think it's just going to be a meme that's going to pass. And although I do think that, I also think that okay boomer has just an easy response and it's something that's made its way into like casual conversation. I worry that if there are opportunities to engage in conversations between generations, that could just be like an easy dismissal. And I think that could be kind of troubling for making progress in the right direction. I agree with you. I think that it is that easy sort of way of dismissing to just have a flip phrase and not really work to address the need to connect people of diverse backgrounds, of diverse ages, that together we need to be tackling some of these issues. It's not left to just one generation, but it's all of us together because we are stronger together. So as we're wrapping up today, I just wanted to see if Yvonne and John, if there was anything else that you wanted to add or say to our listeners. Well, I would just caution people that anytime we try to generalize about an entire generation, people are going to immediately say, that's not me. So when we say, okay, boomer, you're going to get a response from many people. Don't characterize everybody in the same phrase. And I think it goes the other way as well. We do have to respect individual differences. We have to respect the diversity that's embodied in each of us. So if it's just a casual thing and there's not much animosity behind it, okay, Boomer, I think is just an invitation to further dialogue. But if it becomes something more than that, then I think it is dangerous. I think anytime we generalize about entire generations, we're probably not moving the ball forward. I agree. And I remember, I think it was you once who said, remember with baby boomers, there were as many people as went to Vietnam as protested it. Or there are as many people who like rock and roll as like country music. That it's really difficult to say that any generation and the stereotypes really describe that entire group of people. Yvonne, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I definitely agree with John. I think that we need to move away from looking at people based on demographics and looking at how they actually behave and their values and what they care about. I think that aside from having productive conversation that can only go so far. There's also a whole other realm of activism that's needed in terms of going out and voting and ensure that whether you're young or old, using your voice and your ability as a constituent to influence policymakers and make these changes that you hope to see in the future. Yvonne, I think you're a terrific role model for others, realizing that you can do something in your community and taking action. 
So towards that, I'd like to suggest to folks who are interested in doing something like Yvonne has done in her community to check out several different resources. And one of those is a report that we did a couple of years ago called I Need You, You Need Me, The Young and the Old, What We Can Achieve Together. And in the back of that, we have recommendations for what you can do in your community, talking to policymakers, organizing at your community, collaborating, encouraging others to connect with other generations. But most important, what you can do as an individual is to make new friends and make sure that if you don't have somebody younger in your life, you find them. If you don't have somebody older in your life, you find them because we are indeed stronger together. I'd like to thank John Rother and Yvonne Yao for joining me today and sharing your thoughts on how we can connect generations and why that's so important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your leadership, Donna. And you, our audience, thank you for listening to us today. I would like to ask that if you have listened today and you've enjoyed it, to be sure to leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or other streaming platforms. As you know, our goal with this podcast is to get these intergenerational messages, not just to people who know us and are involved in these practices in their communities, but to others. And the way we can do that is to share information about it and try to get it out there as much as possible. So I hope that you do find time to make new friends who aren't exactly like you are, so we can continue these discussions. Thank you, and goodbye.